taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. One more time, happy Mother's Day at all of our campuses. We're thrilled that you, you're here, that you have an opportunity to be with us today. Anytime that we get a chance to talk, whoever stands on this stage, I'll make you a promise. Uh, They consider it a privilege and an honor. We take it serious. This is not something we just do flippantly uh, because I believe that God can change people's lives uh, anytime the word word is is, is spoken, that the the Bible is opened up. In this case, it would be my iPad. And so either way, I'm still reading the Bible, though. It's just right right there for me to see. If you want to follow along with today's message, uh, we do encourage the use of your your phone and, and, and church. Uh, And so we have an app that we use called the Bible app, and the information will be right there at all of our campuses. And I say this from time to time, uh, but leaders, and this is what we're developing, we're called to make disciples. That's just another word for for leaders, people that lead and love like Jesus. Leaders are note takers. You You won't remember most of what I say. You probably won't remember anything that I say that you don't write down. And so I'm going to encourage you, uh, if you are serious about your walk with Christ, uh, man, come in and take notes, whether you write on paper, and I'm not sure how easy that is at our campuses because it, it tends to be a little darker, but right there on your Bible app, there's a spot where you can type out notes and email them to yourself. All the Bible verses, maybe you're new to the Bible, all the Bible verses will be right there. Any, any point that we make, all, all the information is right there, and I'm going to encourage you to open that up and, and, and follow along today. We're in a, what I would consider a, a book that, that I, I would tell you, I told you last week, is probably my favorite book of the Old Testament. It's the book of, of Nehemiah. And so whether you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, uh, a student, a mom, uh, a dad, you, you, are, you are a leader in some area of your life. And Nehemiah is a book on how to become a godly, influential leader. And so the, the story of Nehemiah is a story where a young man decides that he's going to have a life change, that God calls him and, and, and changes him, and he leaves his life of luxury and he, he goes and he leads the project of building a wall around the city of Jerusalem that had been in ruins for 150 years. And so we're going to take a look together at the process. How, how, does this, how does this happen? How does God use somebody's life like that? So we started last week in Nehemiah chapter, chapter 1, and we, we just read about the encounter, about how this, how this changed, how he got to this point. He, he's, a, he's a wine taster. The Bible says he's a cupbearer. He's a party thrower for the most powerful man in the world, uh, King Artaxerxes. How does he go from there to ending up back in Jerusalem in a land that was ruined, rebuilding walls that had been down for 150 years? And so last week you find out his brother comes to him, tells him about these walls, and his heart is broken. His heart is, is broken. And I told you, oftentimes God will break something in you before he makes something out of you. He will break you. If you're not doing your job from the spot of a broken heart, if it's just a job, that you're probably, you haven't arrived yet. I'm not telling you to quit your job, but you haven't arrived yet. Either you need a perspective change or you need a career change at the spot where God is calling you because God doesn't make you just to work. He doesn't make you just to have a job. He has a purpose and a plan, and he wants, to, he wants you to influence other people for his glory and his kingdom. He, he wants to do something with your life. Starts with a broken heart, and in that mind mindset, uh, God will begin to help you to see things other people miss and he will begin to cause you to care for things other people don't care about. That, that's how God's plan works for your life. I told you last week, put your hand on your heart. If it's still beating, that's called purpose. It means God has a work. 
he wants to do in your life. And so here, here's part number two. The plan God has for you involves other people. It involves influencing and leading other people, pointing people back to Jesus. He's not going to make you famous to make you famous. That, that, that's the difference between a God plan and, and a world plan. Oftentimes, what you ask, if you ask people what they want to do, the plan that they have for the life involves their glory. They, they want to earn this amount of money. They want to have this type of life. They want to buy that type of car. They want to lead these type of people. They want to stand on this type of stage. They want to have this type of online credibility and persona. They want to do these things. And oftentimes, the, the person who gets the glory is you. But in God's plan, the glory is for him. The influence is for him. You're being called to be an influencer for his kingdom. And so it involves you needing to lead and influence other people. I want you to think about it. The wall that he's going to build is not like when we think about a wall. I mean, for me, I'm not a construction worker. And I've never built anything substantial in my life. But if we're talking and thinking, maybe many of us, about going back to Jerusalem to build a wall, we're thinking maybe some rocks around it, right? Like a couple feet high. But I, I did some studying this week. I'm like, how big was this wall? Because you remember, this is thousands of years ago. They don't have power tools. What is he trying to do? And why has it been down for 150 years? And the reason is, is the wall that he was going to build is almost 2.5 miles wide in diameter. When I studied it more, it, it, it's, it's almost 40 feet high. And the wall that he's going to build at most parts is 8 feet in, in depth. This is a, that's a, that's a big rocks. This ain't the, 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 the dam you made in the creek behind your house when you were a kid. You know, if you're from Pennsylvania, creek, creek, whatever you say, all of us remember we were kids building a massive structure and thinking we had accomplished something because we had shifted the flow of the creek and changed the course of history, right? This is a, this is a big deal. How does a dude with no calluses on his hands and, and no power tool equipment in sight, maybe had never even picked up a hammer in his life, show up in a land he's not from, and you're going to see in the story, unite a bunch of people that were also not wall builders, and somehow these people together being led by this influencer called by God, rebuild a wall in 52 days. I mean, they built it. I, 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 we've done some stuff at Journey Church. We've, we've flipped some campuses. We, we, we've, we've added some, some, some construction projects. We have never built a wall that size, and I can tell you, even in the things that we do, which are a lot smaller than that, it takes a lot longer than 52 days. It takes 50 days just to get the permits. How did he show up and unite all these people that couldn't do it without him? He was, he was influential, but I want to show you how he gained that influence. Because here's the thing about it. Everything rises and falls on leadership. You have a business problem, and you're a business owner, and you're the leader. It's probably your fault. If I'm a pastor of a church and I have a church-wide problem, a culture problem, it's probably on my shoulders. If we have service times and I can't get people to come to certain service times, instead of yelling at my, my church, I need to evaluate my leadership style. Everything rises and falls on leaders. leadership. When a leader gets better, we've learned this and I've learned this in my own life, the whole organization gets, gets better. But saying you're a leader and actually being a leader are two different things. Le leadership is, is not given, it has to be earned. You don't show up in a land you've never been and say, I'm here to build a wall, let's get to work. You get the shovel, baker. You do this, we'll do this. That's not how stuff works. You don't, you don't start a business and immediately begin to bark out orders. You don't start a church and immediately stand on a, a stage like, like this. That's not how stuff often works. In fact, I never trust an overnight success. You know what I'm saying? There's other work that has to go into place. So no matter what you are in life, I believe today is going to be applicable 
to, to your life, how to gain credibility. How do you show up and get people to follow, influence them? How to gain, gain credibility. That's what my, my message is called, earning credibility as a godly leader. Earning credibility. That, that'll be the next slide. Earning credibility as a godly leader. What's credibility? The, the art of being trusted. How, how do you earn credibility? You ever, you ever been around somebody that they have no credibility because they always tell you things they're going to do and never do it? They're always quick to tell you things they're going to do, but they never actually come through. How do you actually earn? You ever you married somebody like that? They got 16 half-started projects, and then, you know, some Saturday they come, and they're like, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to dig my own pool. And you're like, yeah, but you have 16 switches that have not been changed, wires sticking out over here, you know, broken down lawnmower, middle of the car. You were gonna, oh, you're already going to fix that yourself, and that hot rod that's been out is not a hot rod. It's a piece of crap, right? You have people, they have big, big, big dreams, but they're not very, not very credible. And so I want to give you how to be, a, how to be credible as a, as a godly leader because we're all called to be influential and lead others to Christ. Number one is this. And if, listen, if I was hiring somebody, this, this is what I look for. Every person on my staff, these are things that, that are, that are uh, they, they have to do. Anybody in our church that's in leadership, these are things we look for. If I would own a business, if I'm a teacher and I have... I have interns coming. If, I, if I'm a student and you're going to surround yourself with people in your, in your club, leadership, these are things you look for. Number one is this, is you need to remember consistency is more trusted than commotion. Consistency is more trusted than commotion. You say, what's commotion? Commotion is the thing in the beginning when you start something where everybody's excited for you because you're starting it. That, that's, that's what I found that we love in our culture. Well, what do we love to do? We love to announce we're having a what? A baby. We love to announce we're, we're getting a what? A husband or a wife. We, we, we love to announce we, we graduate. We love to announce we love our moms, right, on Mother's Day. We don't do it any other time of the year, but we love her on Mother's Day. We love, we love to announce things. We love, we love to make a big deal about things. And listen, I'm not telling you, we sh I'm not, don't, don't not make a big deal about your mom. Don't not make a big deal about your baby. Certainly don't not celebrate you getting married. It's a big deal. But what I found is we typically love the commotion and the excitement of the beginnings, but we're really bad at being consistent in the middle of it. In other words, you, you might get married and it's a big deal and everybody's clapping and it looks like Pinterest and all these things and they can't believe you found that wood and made it look like that. How did you do that? And you have these cupcakes and you got this and you made this punch and you got all these things and you, you, know, you had your wedding in this venue. How did you turn it into that? But here's the thing. Oftentimes when you see those same people a few years later, you're like... Did you like being married? They're like, no. I remember that whole thing. Like, I, I mean, I still like being married. Let me just preface that. But I remember that whole kind of scenario where you have, you have a shower and then you get married. It's all about you. You're taking pictures. You feel like you're famous for that day. Go on a honeymoon. Everybody's excited for you. You're going on a honeymoon and you're excited and you come back and nobody's there to greet you when you get off the plane. Nobody's swinging up the banner. Congratulations. How was your honeymoon? Like stuff like that. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, like what's going, going on? Like nobody's there. It's just, you're just married. You just wake up and, and, and you're married or you've been, you've, been, you've been to different situations in your life where, where the picture, the commotion of the picture that you upload is actually much more excited than the actual day that you had. Like if you go on family vacation, it's typical of every, every moment. Like you take pictures, your kids are all smiling. Nobody had to go number two in the middle of dinner for the third night in, in, in a row where you lose your appetite. Nobody touched you with dirty hands. You actually relax. It was so fun. And you look at those pictures and that's the, that's, that's the picture that it shows. But the truth is you're like, no, I hated it. 
I only went because I had to. I don't lie. This is family vacation. That's an oxymoron, right? Some of you should enjoy that. Okay, I will. A couple years. But we, we, love the, we love the commotion, and we're not very consistent. We, we, we love it. And in other words, we enjoy making the announcement more than we do in moving into the assignment. We enjoy that. We enjoy the beginning of a job because it's exciting, the commotion. We're going to start this. The beginning of, of a business, the beginning of a church is always exciting. You get to tell people how many people you had. You know what stinks? Ten years into it. Because nobody cares that you get another Sunday. And so at some point you need to realize that I need to build my life on consistency over, over commotion. I want to find people in my life and I want to be the type of person who is still going after the dream when the hype and the attention has stopped. I want to find, I want to find employees that are, that are still pursuing, in my line of work, building a church that the gates of hell can't stop week in and week out after they've been doing it for five years. I, I want to find those type people. I want to find consistent people that are more attached to the middle of it than they are to the beginning of it. And here is why I love the story of Nehemiah, and here's why I think he's credible, because this is him. You find out in Nehemiah chapter 2, watch what it says, in the month of Nisan, that's not a car, that's the month, right? In the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look like that? You ever been there with somebody? Hold on, stop there. I think that all the time, people in Pennsylvania. Why does your face, you're not sick, so why do you look like that? You should go back and redo your face, right? Like, not your makeup, your just overall face, right? And so anyway... That's what he says. He says, what's wrong with your face, Nehemiah? Look at that look on your face. You're not sick. This can't be nothing but sadness of heart. So that's what I think for you sometimes. You're sad. And then watch what happens. This, this is what's so interesting. Because we're like, okay, great. That was a really good point you made. But in Nehemiah chapter 1, what does it say when he first finds out about the wall? Watch what it says in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. In the month of what? Kislev. Kislev. In the 12th year, that's when I heard that the walls were down. So I did some studying this week. In Kislev and Nisan, there's four months between that. If you were here last week, you remember what was his reaction. He weeped like a baby in front of his, his brother. He cried. He fasted. He, he mourned. He was sad. But he wasn't just sad for a moment. He wasn't just sad for a weekend. He wasn't just sad for a couple days. He's been sad and, and impacted for four months. He's been dealing with this. In other words, what is he? He's consistent. This is long past people make, like, I think in the beginning, people are like, man, you made a big deal about the walls. You build a, you build a Facebook page, rebuild the walls. You got, you got, you got bands made that say RBTW, -R rebuild the walls. You sell those. Everybody that bought one got one. You made a, you made a page where you, you sold shoes for people in, in, in Persia. You're going to give shoes. Every time somebody buys a pair of shoes, you give away a pair of shoes. You built commercials. You did all these things. It's going real, really good. A few weeks pass, and somebody else has started some new movement and we've moved on from that. But here he is still here. He's still crying and he's still weeping and he's still sad. You know why? Because he goes into the king's presence. He has no idea about what Nehemiah has been going through and he's still being affected by it four months later. And I ask you, are you that type of person? Some of you, I want to follow Christ. Okay, that was like a week ago. What happened? Some of you are like, I want to follow Christ and follow his way and not date a non-Christian because I've dated that before and I want what God has for me and I want, I want to be married to the type of person that God, that God wants and desires and destined for me. And three weeks later, you are in a relationship and you are in love. 
Four weeks later, you're broken up. Five weeks later, you're in love again. Because you love the commotion. You love the excitement of something new. You love, we love re- even religious things. We love to get baptized and we, 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 we love to do things for, for a short while. We love to stand out in the parking lot and put that vest on one time. But my, my question is, have you been doing it for four months, five months, six months, eight months, two years, five years? Are you, you consistent? Because if you want to earn influence, you have, to be, you have to be consistent. And some of you are saying, saying why? And I would say because consistency is extremely close to the heart of God. You see, Nehemiah did consistently what most people only do temporarily. And why is it important? Because there's nothing more like our God than consistency. It's close to the heart, heart of God. In fact, listen to what it says in Malachi 3. He says, I am the Lord. And everybody say it with me. I do not what? That's good news. That means you know how he's going to respond every time you do something. That means you're not coming into church being like, oh, crap. Where's that, where's that lightning bolt at? What does the Bible say of God? His mercies are new every what? Every morning. You dropped the ball yesterday. Our God is here to be merciful today if you just come and repent and turn your life back to him. You know how he's going to act. You know when you give, the Bible says when you give, that God's going to pour open the floodgates of heaven. That he's literally, when you live with the open hand, you'll live under an open heaven. It's not a surprise. Why? Because God does not change. It's why you can trust his words. He's not all of a sudden in the middle of it like my kids do when they're losing a game against their brother going, boop, new rules. We're playing to eight now. He had seven. I'm playing to eight. And now you can use your hands and stab each other. It's fine. He's not changing the rules in the middle of the thing. He tells you exactly how. That's why sometimes I look at people, I'm like, really? You're shocked it didn't work? You're shocked that relationship left you heartbroken? You're shocked you decided to get married and now you're getting divorced when you married the person you weren't supposed to? Really? We're shocked about this? He doesn't, he doesn't change. So if something feels weird, you're the weird one. If it feels like God is far away from you, the Bible says he never leaves you nor forsakes you. Guess who's probably far away? You. If it feels like God's moved, guess who's moved? It's you. He doesn't doesn't change. He's he's consistent. It's close to the heart of God. And here's why I love consistency. What does consistency do? It's trusted. I want to... I want to marry somebody who's consistent. I want to hire somebody who's consistent. I want to go to businesses that are, that are consistent. You ever been to a business and you go there one time and you get something that you love? You're literally, literally, you, if you could eat more, you would, but your pants are too tight. And so you, a few days later, like, I go back and get that again. I can get that parfait, right? And there's businesses in Phoenix where I've done this with. And so I go in. I'm like, I can't wait to get this parfait or whatever. I, sound, I know I don't sound real tough right now, but whatever it is. Burger, right? And you go in, and you're like so excited for it. It's not like it's late in the day. It's early in the morning or whatever. They just open. You're like, I want this. I've been thinking about it and dreaming about it. What do they say? Oh, we don't have that today. You don't have that today? <laughs> what happens? You don't go back there. You don't trust them. I, I choose my Dunkin' Donuts based on who I trust. There's times I go to the Dunkin' Donuts close to my house. I show up. Today I wanted to get one of those comic candy donuts for one of my kids keep them quiet in the back seat wind them up for church all the things are all over the board i showed up there this is like the fourth fifth time it happened i said i want one of those comic candy donuts he said we don't have those today i said well you have them on your board yeah but we don't have those today sir i said well do you have coffee and then i was like oh crap i'm gonna preach in a couple minutes never mind 
But the truth is, if I would have had more time, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Dunkin' Donuts. I know it's never anything. Why? Consistency earns trust. You want to have influence, be consistent. Consistently show up at the same time. Consistently brush your teeth. Consistently do your hair. Consistently do the same things over and over and over again. Don't wake up one day after a sermon that's impacted you and decide, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to my office really early and I'm going to smile at everybody because pastor talked to me about my face. Smile all month. It earns credibility in your, in your job place. It earns credibility in, in your school. Show up in your class every day the same way. Be consistent over commotion. Why? It earns, it earns trust. Number one, consistency over commotion. Let me give you two more quickly. I want to look, and I want you to remember that character is better than charisma. Character is better than, what's charisma? Charisma is something that gets to the attention in the beginning, right? It's loud. It's dancey. It's entertaining. It's look at me. Some of you know because you're always attracted to charisma, right? What's charisma? You go into a, to a, a, a place, maybe you're looking for, for a mate, and what do, you, what, do you know, what do you tend to notice? The loud dude in the corner dancing, right? Flossing, or whatever the heck that, that is. You're like, I like that. Never even look off into the corner, off the, the, the guy that actually has a job, didn't have time to learn to floss because he's working, Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe he doesn't dress as nice as the guy with charisma because he's not in debt up to his eyeballs. He doesn't live above his means. Maybe he doesn't pull in in the hot rod or, or you don't know but because you, you just look at him because he has charisma, but you don't know. Lives in the basement of his parents and plays Fortnite all night. But he learned the floss and you're going, I want that. I never even look at this guy because this guy is quiet and, and maybe, 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 maybe he's collected. M maybe you don't think about it. Maybe he just is confident and he doesn't need the attention all the time. See, what do we typically do when, when we go to a job? What do we think? I need to be noticed. I don't have the right connections. I need to be noticed. I need to be loud. I need to get my name out there. I need to be charismatic. I need people to see me for who I am. And I want to encourage you through this story that this is not what Nehemiah does at all. That along with Nehemiah taking four months and still being passionate and broken over this, he, he also develops what I would call character over charisma. He doesn't show up in the middle of Jerusalem with all this equipment and these, 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 these bands and these shirts and set up a booth somewhere and they pull by and he says, hey, my name is Nehemiah and I'm here to rebuild the wall. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't push his own agenda. He doesn't make a Facebook page, right, where people could like him and follow him. He doesn't start an Instagram account and walk around the tore down wall and take pictures of himself. He doesn't do any of that. In fact, the Bible says, and I love this part of the story of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 2, what does he do? He gets to Jerusalem. Watch this. And the Bible says, after staying there three days, that I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Can you just bring that down for a second? That's a big part of it. He, he gets there. He has a plan in his heart. He knows what God has called him to. But for three days, he says, he says nothing. And then he does something that I think we need to see. This is why I know he has character. He doesn't go around in the middle of the day to get attention and walk around and look at me. My name's Nehemiah. I'm here to rebuild this wall. You know why? Because everybody's going to laugh at him because he's a cupbearer. I'm going to look at his wimpy muscles, right? I mean, his bicep is the size of a wine glass, right? Everybody's going to be like, you are a Jew. What are you even doing here? Go back to Persia. These walls have been down for 150 years. If we're getting a rebuilder, it's not you. We want a mulligan, right? 
And he comes in there, and instead of announcing all the things he's going to do, which, by the way, this is what we typically do. We're really loud. We're charismatic. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going to go. Here's what I'm going to accomplish. The Bible says at nighttime. Character is always built at night, by the way. It's built early in the morning when no one's watching. That, 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 that's how it goes. He says, at nighttime, I went around Jerusalem. You can bring it back up. What did he say? There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding. Why? Because he didn't want to make any noise, and horses are loud. He quietly sneaks through the town. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal wall and the dung gate. Don't know what that is. Don't want to visit it. <laughs> Examining the walls of Jerusalem, which have been broken down, and its gates, which have been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by night examining the wall. I walked. That's character. I, 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 been, I just walked then. I, I didn't even, my horse couldn't even, even make it. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as of yet, I had said nothing to them. Not the priests, not the nobles, the officials, or any others. The work, watch what he says, the work we would be doing. <laughs> That's confidence. They don't know it yet. I've done this in my church with some of you. You don't know what type of church we're going to build yet, but I'm going I'm to lead the way not through telling you how big this church is going to be, not, not through telling you how effective this church is going to be. I'm going to lead this church with character. I'm going to do the right thing when nobody's watching, no matter if anybody ever sees me doing it. That's called integrity. I'm going to do it with honor. I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it consistently. I'm going to show up every Sunday, and I'm going to continue to treat it like it's my last Sunday. I'm not going to build this church around my charisma because I don't got that much game. But I am, I am going to try to build it on, on, on good, godly character. If you want to have influence, if you want to build credibility, don't try to be the first person seen. In fact, here's what I know. The people who like to be loud and seen are often the most insecure people that are hiding the most. That's, you overcompensate. I'm going to overcompensate for my lack of character by making sure everybody believes things that are not true of me. The people that have character, they're often quiet. They're often to themselves. They're often concerned with what they're doing when nobody's watching and not what they look like when everybody is watching. They understand that if they do the right things all the time, that God will get them to, to the right place, that God will open up the right door. See, some of you, you're concerned. If I don't get noticed, God won't open up the doors. And can I just give you some encouragement right now? The doors that God wants to open up in your life, when you're ready for him to open them up, no man can keep them closed. And I know that from experience. There has been things in my life over the last 10 years of doing this church that I know people that have tried to keep it from getting to Journey Church. And in the midst of their greatest effort, they were not able to stop God. If God be for you, what does the Bible say? Who can be against you? I'm going to have consistency over commotion. I'm going to keep going after no one's watching. I'm going to have character over, over charisma. And, and, and number three, I want to find people who understand that commitment it speaks louder than credentials. C commitment speaks louder than credentials. Well, why do they give him an ear? Is it because of his credentials? Is it because it, on his business card it said, Nehemiah, master builder? Yes, I can. I can build it, right? Is it, is it because he had an M MD behind his name? It's because he had the credentials of, of, of what he needed to do. He, honestly, he might have been the most underqualified person in the world at that point. I mean, his job, some of you are not registered in this, his job was to throw parties. His job was, was to taste wine and make sure it was acceptable for the king. That, that was his job. So he shows up there, and one of the most, you can't miss it, the most amazing parts of the story is that they actually listened to him. So if you go back to the beginning of 
of Nehemiah chapter 2 before he even has interactions with them. You see, you see how committed he was. You see, he was a cupbearer, so, so one of the things that he couldn't do is he was not allowed to go to the king unhappy because his job was to set the tone. His job was charisma. That was his job. His job was party thrower. His job was to make sure the king, who had a stressful job, who ran an empire, that when he got in his midst, he would liven his spirits, do whatever it took. So he wasn't allowed to go to the king unhappy because here's the thing. If he did, his life was on the line, and the king could say, you know what? You're worthless. I'm going to kill you and get a different cupbearer. So Nehemiah knows this, but he can't get it together. He's so brokenhearted. And the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2, that when he is about to go see the king, if you read it, it says, I was very much afraid. Why? Because his life is literally on the line. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? He goes on to to ask the, the king for his favor. And so when he gets to Jerusalem and he says, listen, here's, here's who I am. Here's where I came from. The people in Jerusalem will go, oh my gosh, this dude, he sacrificed his life to be here. He don't have no credentials. But dang, he's committed. He ain't done anything yet. But if he's committed enough to risk his life, I bet he's committed enough to figure out how to build a wall how to set the foundations, how to earn influence. I bet he's committed enough to figure it out. And I got to tell you something. I am much more into commitment than I am in credentials. It's what I practice in my own life. I got to be honest with you. Of all the churches in this area that you could be at today, of all the pastors that preach probably today, I might be the least credentialed. Sorry. I barely graduated from... From God Bible College. I mean, I will never go back. I'm not allowed. I don't have an MD. I mean, listen, my degree right now that I have, that I got framed, it hangs in the limerick closet, cleaning closet somewhere. If you don't believe me, ask them to see it. I don't have an office with books in it. I don't even own books. I got an iPad. Like, I don't have all these credentials, but I can tell you something right now. You will never, ever find a pastor that's more committed to winning people far from Christ. And I'm not saying that to boast about myself because there's other committed pastors in this area as well. What I'm trying to tell you, though, is I would rather have commitment over credentials any day. And I got I to even be more, our staff's the same way. Most of my staff never ended up in Bible college, doesn't have degrees in Bible teaching. One of them had a degree in cutting dog hair. One of them was an installer of windows. Another one of them that runs this music department, that his upbringing and his job before this was working at a family business, selling upscale appliances. And we don't, we don't have people that went through Greek classes and Hebrew classes. But here's the thing about it. There's not a person on my staff that when I look in their eyes, I don't see the fire of commitment. I've sat with people that graduated from Bible college. I've sat with people that, that got the credentials. I've sat with people and I've listened to them. And I thought to myself, you've given up nothing to get here. You just have school loans. And you are even under the impression that credentials is what earns you a spot at this table. But I got to tell you something. I got to see your commitment. You want to work here? Why don't you show up on Sunday morning at 5 o'clock in the morning and set out some cones and some flags for our visitors that are coming in three hours. No, I can't do that. I like sleep. You like credentials. I, I want to find people who have commitment. You can get both. Don't, 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 don't. If you have a doctor that you're getting operated on, you want his credentials. Not just his commitment. But if you're going to have either or, don't live your life with credentials. 
It, it earns you nothing. Find something you can be committed to. Find something that you'll put your life on the line for. Find something that you're sacrificed for. Find something that you're willing to go all alone for. Find something that you're willing to go without for. Find something that you'll give things up or endure hardships for. Find something where you're willing to go all in. It's not just a job that you have. It's a calling. If you haven't yet stepped into your calling, you got to keep digging and searching. But God has a big purposeful plan for your life. You're going to live a life with consistency over commotion. You're going to live a life where you understand character is more important than being seen. And you're going to live a life where you get that commitment. You want to build something, it speaks louder, louder than credentials. Would you stand with me all over this house? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? And we're going to see next week the influence that Nehemiah has on these people. He earns the credibility and they begin this, this, this building project where everyone is involved. It, it's one of the most monumental historical moments in the Bible. It starts with, with earning credibility. And my, my question is, are you a credible leader? Are you consistent? Do you do consistently what others do only do temporarily? Do you have character? I'm not asking you if you can smile while you're in church or raise your hands while you're in church. I'm asking you, what does your worship look like on Monday when no one's watching? How do you speak to your employees when no one's watching? How do you handle yourself when you're all by yourself? Do you have character? Do you have integrity? Do you have honor? Do you have consistency? Do you have character over charisma? And I can promise you, if you live your life with character, the doors that God wants to open, no man can shut. And the last thing I would ask you is, live your life with commitment. If I can tell you something that I want to instill in my church and in my kids, what I think most people lack in this world is commitment. We don't stay committed to nothing. We don't stay committed to church. We don't stay committed to Jesus. We, we don't stay committed to our wives, our husbands. We don't stay committed to parenting. We don't stay committed to a job. We don't stay committed to an exercise plan. We don't stay committed to anything. But when Jesus changes your life and he lights a fire inside of you, you'll lay your life on the line. And let me tell you something, that's where you actually find it anyways. The Bible says if you want to gain your life, lose it for Christ. If you want to lose your life, hold on to it. Make it about you. Live your life for you. Build your glory. Set goals that are going to make you good. You'll lose everything, but if you want to gain it, in a moment like this, you say, God, I give you everything that I am. I lose everything about myself so that I can gain a relationship with you. Listen, here's the cool thing about, about, about Jesus. He's the best leader the world has ever known. And you and me, we have an opportunity to be led by him. We have, we have an opportunity to, to be led by, by Jesus. He's consistent. He has character. I mean, the moments where he could have lived his life based on charisma, when the crowds are pushing in on him, oftentimes scripture says that he would leave the crowd to go be by himself to keep his spirit pure. He has, he has character like we've never seen. He's consistent. And man, he was committed all the way to the death on the cross. He knew what was coming. He knew the pain that laid in front of him. He knew the suffering that he would endure. And the Bible says that he considered it pure joy and he, he went after our salvation that he went after a relationship with you and me and he's continued to pursue you as the greatest leader this world has ever known 
And in a moment like this, you have an opportunity, just like I did some years back, to stand in the presence of God and say, you know what? I'm going to yield my life to God. I'm not going to be in control anymore. I'm not going to seek my own glory. But God, I believe you made me with a purpose. And I believe you brought me to this moment right here. And God, I believe you want to have a relationship with me. And the Bible says that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, what are you confessing and believing? That God loves you. You know he loves you because he sent his son Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was put in a tomb and on the third day he rose in power and in glory. And the Bible says now he sits at the right hand of God and he intercedes for people just like you. That means he's praying for you right now. He is desperate to have a relationship with you. He wants to lead you. He wants to never leave you nor forsake you. He wants to bring consistency and commitment and passion into your life. Here's the thing about it. To follow Jesus at all of our campuses, it takes courage. It does. You saw that video for Black and White. It takes, it takes courage. It takes boldness. It takes everything. And so what we do at this church is we don't say, hey, just make a prayer and walk out and sign a card and ask it. But there's a moment of power where you stand in the presence of God and you're not worried about anybody else. And you simply say, that's me. And what we do in response to this, whether you're young or you're old, churched or unchurched, religious or non-religious, you're simply at a point where you're ready to give your life to God through Jesus Christ. What we do at this church is I said, we don't worry about anybody else here. But if that's you, if you need a relationship with Jesus Christ, in boldness and courage, I'm going to ask you in a second. I'm going to say, if that's you, when I say that, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. And when, we, when you raise your hand, I'm going to pray with you. I'm not going to make you come forward. But that is your courageous step right here. Today, this day, is going to be my day of salvation. It's going to be the day that I give everything that I am to Jesus Christ. And so with nobody looking around in this moment at all of our campuses, there's a campus director standing there. You say, you know what? It takes courage. I feel it. Maybe I'm even a little scared. Maybe I'm even a little intimidated. But I'm not going to worry about anybody else. This moment is between me and Jesus Christ. And today I want to give my life to Him. I want to give Him everything that I am. If that's you all over our houses and you say, that's me, in boldness and courage, I just want you to shoot your hand up in the air and say, today I'm going to give Jesus my life. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? I see another hand right here. Hand right here. Yes. Is there anybody else? Another hand right here. Is there anybody else? Say, hey, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him. Today, that's my decision. I'm going to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Is there anybody else who said, hey, pastor, that's going to be me. I'm not leaving this moment until I step out in Jesus' name. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Would you begin to pray? Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for that person at Royersford right now that's responding to the gospel. Thank you for those right here in Limerick. Well, thank you for the person in Plymouth meeting. Let's keep clapping, church. The Bible says all of heaven stops to rejoice. Well, thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you that we lifted your name up. We proclaimed your word. And the Bible says that you will draw men and women to yourself. And that's what you did. There's somebody in this place right now that is starting a brand new life. A relationship with you. They were once lost and now they're found. They were once dead and now they're alive. They once didn't know why they were on this earth. And now they're going to wake up with purpose and meaning. But not only do you save them for eternity, but Lord, you have a purpose for them living right now. So Jesus, become the Lord of their life. Everything they were, they want to give it to you. Lord, thank you for everything that they're going to be. You're going to guide and direct them. Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for our sins and rising from the dead in power. Thank you for the new life that we have in you. The Bible says there's no other name but the name of Jesus. 
whereby men and women are saved. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for continuing to move. But thank you for all that you're going to continue to do through this series. Lord, here's what I pray. For some people, the consistent step in their life is just simply not missing church over the next couple of weeks. Even with the holiday coming, there's some, somebody in this room that says, you know what, I'm going to replan out this, this holiday because, God, you're speaking to me, and I don't want to miss what you're, what you're telling me because, God, you're, you're walking somebody down a path to a new destiny right now. Lord, you're, you're speaking to them in a way that they never even understood. You're, you're changing them from the inside out, Lord, and we are thankful for what you're going to continue to do. So, Lord, would you continue to speak through your word? Would you continue to change us and equip us? and convict us and challenge us and give us courage. In Jesus' name that we pray these things. Journey Church, would you shout amen? amen. Come on, let's clap together one more time.